Well, so far we've, we've covered five of the, of the seven churches in Revelation, and, and in them we've seen, we've seen several things, haven't we? We've seen the, the, the dispassionate church, the church at Ephesus. Uh, we, we've seen the suffering church uh, in, in the letter to the church at Smyrna. We, we've seen the compromising church in, in the, the letter to the church at per Pergamon and the tolerant church uh, in the letter to the church at Thyatira. And we've also seen the, uh, the letter to, uh, to the dead church, the church at Sardis. And, and tonight we're going to be discussing the church in Philadelphia. Uh, and and, and it, it's characterized as, as the faithful church, the faithful church. Faithful, but not perfect. And I, I say that because, um, because no church is perfect. And, and, and why is that? Because, because even though the church is, is a divine institution, uh, it's established by, by a divine God, uh, it's made up of, of imperfect people. It's made up of sinners like, like me and you. And, and, and the church is not a place for for. The church is a place for people that, that, uh, that have weaknesses. It's a fellowship for those who recognize their, their, their weakness, their brokenness, and their sin. And, and, and it's, a, it's a place where we, we run to God because we, we so need his strength and his grace. Uh, you know, the church is a, is a hospital for those who know their they're sick and, and, and in need. And, and that, that, uh, that dis that's a description of all of us. You know, none of us are perfect. None of us are uh, at a spiritual level that we can coast. We, we all have to be, like Paul said in, uh, in Philippians 3, I press on. I don't look back, I, I press on. And you know, when Paul said those words, he was a, he, he'd been a Christ follower for years. He had seen amazing things. He had done amazing things. But his focus was on Christ. Um, so like all churches, the one in Philadelphia has its imperfections, but the Lord, in spite of the, of the, of the fleshly struggles that they might have been having, he commended the members because, for their faithfulness, for their faithfulness and their loyalty, their loyalty to the, to the word. Uh, and they, they and, and the congregation at Smyrna were the only two out of the seven churches that, that received no correction from the Lord. Uh, they faithfully and obediently served and, and, and worshiped God, and, and, and as such, they, they provide a, a, an incredible example, you know, for us today, uh, an example of, a, of the faithful church, a, 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 an example that all churches should should strive to follow. You know, and, and as we've gone through the uh, these letters up to this point, we've 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 been using the model that that uh, that we that Pastor Jim has has been using. Uh, we we'll, we're going to look at this letter for, this letter to the church at Philadelphia in 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 those usual aspects: the community, the correspondent the commendation, 
and the comfort. And like I said, there's no correction given to this church here. So if you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to, over to Revelation chapter 3, and let's, let's read this uh, message to, to the church at Philadelphia. And I'm beginning in verse 7. It says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. Because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Because you've kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one will take, so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he will not go out from it anymore, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has, ear, has an ear to hear, let it, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's a, an incredible letter there, and there's so, so much good... Uh, Good theology in that, uh, but but so, but it, it's really such a simple message. It's a it's a that whole letter is a is a, is a, a commendation to 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 these believers' faithfulness. You know, as far as the community goes, Philadelphia was was the youngest of the seven churches that uh, that are talked about here in the Book of Revelation. Uh, you know, and this is a church that lasted for centuries. Uh, uh, it, it was finally over, overtaken by, by a Muslim invasion, I think, in the 1300s. And, and although like Thyatira, if you remember, it was, remember Thyatira was built on a, uh, on, a, on a place where it was easily defensible. You know, it was difficult for an enemy to come against it. The same was true for the... Uh, for the, for the city of Philadelphia, although that's not why it was built. It was not built as a, as a military fortress. Uh, it was built because of its location. Uh, it was located on, the, on all the trade routes that, that came through the area. They all uh, merged in, in the city of Philadelphia. Um, it, it was intended to be a, uh, almost what we would call a, a missionary outpost because from Philadelphia, the, the, the culture of Hellenism, the, the Greek culture, spread throughout the, the known world there. And it was, it was um, they did such a good job of, of spreading the Greek culture that, that uh, by 19 AD, the whole area spoke Greek. That was the, that was the common language. Um, so we could say that, that Philadelphia knew what it was like to 
to take charge of a population, to, to influence people. Um, it's interesting when we think about the correspondent uh, in, in this letter here. Uh, you know, it, it, here Jesus reveals, he reveals his character to the church. Um, in all the previous letters, Jesus introduced himself uh, in some aspect from, from, from the description in, in Revelation 1, uh, beginning with verse 12. Let me read that again so it kind of refresh our memory. It says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a, in a robe, reaching to his feet, girded across his chest with a golden sash, his head and his hair were, were white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in its strength. You know, that that's the way the correspondent Jesus has, has presented himself uh, in, in the letters so far. But here, uh, here in this letter, uh, that's not the case. Uh, uh, instead, in, in this letter to the church at Philadelphia, Jesus introduces himself by declaring very distinctive uh, Old Testament qualities. Uh, and, and if you'll notice there in verse 7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. You know, this, this, these are very, those are very Old Testament qualities that, that were spoken of uh, or characteristics of God. And, and that's how Jesus is introducing himself uh, to the church at Philadelphia in this letter. You know, first he says, Jesus says, he who is holy. He's declaring himself, he who is holy. You know, it's, it's only God who possesses perfect holiness. Um, you know, that, that, that means he's absolutely perfect in every way. You know, and the Old Testament declares this truth over and over. You know, the truth of the, the holiness of God, the perfection of God. Yeah. You know, Isaiah 6, uh, verse 3 says, And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You know, God is perfect in every way. There's, there's nothing you can add and, and nothing you can subtract from him. Um, you know, we, we see his holiness uh, used to describe Christ in the New Testament. Um, for example, the, if you remember the, when Jesus encountered the, the man that was uh, uh, demon-possessed uh, in, in Mark uh, chapter 1, uh, in, in, in that, uh, in that uh, passage, you know, the demon cries out, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are the Holy One of God. 
You know, the angel that announced uh, Jesus' birth uh, to Mary called him the Holy Child, the Son of God. That's in Luke 1.35. And Peter himself affirms this same truth in, in, in John 6.69, 6, where, where, where John writes, uh, where, where Peter says, We have believed and have come to know that you are, whole, you are the Holy One of God. You know, Peter makes that proclamation there. You know, this is a this is also a direct uh, a, a direct claim of, of Christ's deity uh, that we see in this introduction. Um, you know, Jesus is the the undiminished, uh, unaltered uh, essence of God. You know, because God is holy, His church must be holy. You know, 1 Peter 1.15 says, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves, also in all your behavior. Um, and, and we have to remember here now, with uh, pertaining to this church at Philadelphia, that Je Jesus offers no condemnation to the church here. So that must mean that they were, they were doing something right. Amen? Um, You know, verse 7 also introduces Christ as, as he who is true. He who is true. He is truth. Uh, and as Pastor Jim stated uh, in the sermon this past weekend, he is the truth that we have to allow to act upon us. Uh, you know, there's, he, he's genuine, authentic, he's real. Uh, there, there's no falsehood in him. Uh, and, and through him is the only way to salvation. You know, Jesus himself said in, in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You know, Jesus is also portrayed in this introductory statement as, as he who has the key of David. Now, I know that, that might be a little bit confusing at first, but Actually, it, it, it kind of references two other passages here in Revelation. Um, look at Revelation 5. Revelation chapter 5, I'm going to begin with verse 4. It says, Then I began to weep greatly, because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David. <laughs> has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And then we can flip all the way over to, to chapter 22, chapter 22 of Revelation, uh, verse 16. It says, I, Jesus, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the, the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. What a beautiful description that is. You know, and, and, and when we look at Jesus in, in, in that respect, you know, David, the, David symbolized the, the messianic office. Uh, and we could, we could go deep into that, but, but, just, but for our purposes tonight, G, David was kind of a, a foreshadowing of the messianic office to come. 
as the key. He has the authority uh, as the key holder. The Messiah, he alone has the authority to determine who enters the kingdom. And, and, and this is all to say to the church, he holds the key to salvation and blessing. And that's what Jesus is, is, is saying about himself here to the church at Philadelphia. And also, in, uh, according to verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, he also holds the keys to what? Anybody remember? He holds the keys to death and hell. Amen? You know, Jesus is also portrayed here as, as he who opens and no one will shut and who shuts and no one will open. You know, and, and this, what is this doing? It, it's stressing Christ's omnipotence, his omnipotence, his, his complete um, power with no boundaries, all-powerful. You know, what he does uh, can't be overturned uh, by anyone or anything. You know, there, there's none more powerful than him. You know, in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 13, uh, the prophet writes, Even from eternity I am he, and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? Well, the answer is... No one can reverse him. Uh, he's, he's omnipotent. He has no boundaries. Uh, and as such, uh, carries into the church. He carries this into the church, his church. Um, what then should we, should we take from this declaration in verse 7? Let me, let me read that again. He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Uh, so what can we take from that? Uh, you know, Jesus is, is holy, he's true, and he's sovereign. And, and I think the church at Philadelphia understood this. Uh, and and they, they stayed faithful to that proclamation. Knowing that this was true and having no words of, of condemnation for them, the church at, at at Philadelphia must have been pretty encouraged. You know, if, uh, if Christ walked in here and said, you guys are faithful, man, what, what, a, what an encouragement that would be. Uh, of course, many of us would faint if that happened. But, uh, um, but what, a, what a, co a commendation it was to, this, to these people because they, uh, even though they were in they, they, Jesus called them faithful. You know, they, they did have opposition. You know, he, he, he references the, the synagogue of Satan. And this was, were people that, that claimed to be Jews but were, were trying to undermine the church. Um, now, in, beginning in verse 8 through 11, Jesus gives some, some commendations. He tells them why he's seeing them as faithful. Let me read that again. Verse 8 says, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. Because you have a little power and have kept my word, 
and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Wow. Because you've kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. That's a powerful statement right there. I wish we had a little more time to, to amplify that. Um, hold tightly so no one can take your crown. Um, but here, you know, seeing their deeds and, and finding, finding no reason uh, to condemn them, he, he begins to commend them. Uh, for things that, that uh, for the things that they were doing, specifically in four areas, uh, he he um, he characterized the church in Philadelphia by saying they had a little power. They had a little power. You know that's that's not a necessarily a declaration uh, of their weakness, but but it's a declaration of their reliance on God's strength. You know, but like Paul, they could say, my weakness glorifies God. You know, in 2 Corinthians 12, 10, Paul writes, Therefore I am well content with weakness. How many of us could say that? Hmm. Therefore I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Beautiful passage. Uh, you know, despite its size, uh, and despite any church's size, the, the power that emanates uh, from it isn't a product of how many people populate the, the building. It's, it's a product of, of our submission, of our submission to the Lord. Um, you know, when the church becomes recognizes its own weakness and, and, and becomes to rely on the strength of God, to rely on His, his Holy Spirit, uh, that's, that's the point where lives begin to be transformed. Are, are you following that? It's, it's nothing about what any person does from the pulpit. It's nothing about the, the uh, you know, the, the playing of our worship music. It all starts in the heart. Um, and when we're submitted to God, when we're committed to Him, when, when we're faithful to Him, uh, when we recognize that, that we are weak but He is strong, that's when transformation begins to take place. Um, you know, wherever the gospel's preached, God's power to save is demonstrated. Um, you know, like Paul, uh, uh, I think the church at Philadelphia uh, made this declaration, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, it's by his power and by his grace, uh, and it has to be by that. Otherwise, we become prideful. 
But when we realize that it's, it's all about Him, it's not about me, it's about Christ. And as long as we're keeping our focus on Him, then, then God's power, God's strength, God's Spirit uh, comes in and leads, leads us and changes us, makes us, makes us effective. You know, they were also commended uh, because they kept His word. They kept his word. You know, Martin Luther, uh, a great theologian, once said while standing, uh, he was standing trial for heresy, uh, and, he, and he made this statement, my conscience is captive to the word of God. Man, my conscience is captive to the word of God. And, and the church at Philadelphia uh, kind of had that same mindset. Uh, they kept God's word. Uh, you know, regardless of what was happening around them, they, they never deviated from the word. The word was always preeminent to them. Kind of like what uh, Job said in, in Job 23, 12. I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than necessary food. You know, the word of God right here, the Word of God, um, un, unaltered, um, unfiltered, uh, unbiased, uh, was their pattern. It, it was the pattern for their service. Uh, you know, they, they, they strictly followed God's Word. Uh, and and you know, that should be a, a goal of ours. Uh, um, you know, how much better off would we all be if we, if we just kept the Word of God as they did? Um, as someone once said, uh, you know, read the Word and do it. And I think that would be kind of uh, pertinent to the church at Philadelphia here. Um, Jesus also commended them because they, they had not denied His name. You know, regardless of what trials they faced, they had not denied Christ. Um, you know, the ch church at Philadelphia refused to, to take back or recant their faith in, in Jesus Christ. And, and this leads perfectly into Christ's final commendation of them. And, and, and here Jesus says, they have kept the word of my perseverance. In other words, they persevered. Uh, they didn't give up. They, when things got tough, they just pressed on through. Uh, they strived to uphold the model of Christ's perseverance. And, and, and how did Christ persevere? You know, there's a great picture of this over in, in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, <clears throat> verses 2 through 4. <clears throat> says, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood <clears throat> in your striving against sin. 
<clears throat> that's a powerful passage and a powerful description of Christ. And it, it, it portrays how Christ persevered. And that's the example for us. Uh, you know, too many times we're, you know, we're, we're good and we're faithful and we're uh, serving when our life is going well. But a lot of times when a little adversity comes, when trials come, uh, when we get that bad medical report, then we, we tend to pull back. And it's like our, our perseverance uh, sometimes wanes. We start looking inward instead of focusing on him. Um, you know, Christ's example and, and command should, should motivate us to patiently endure. You know, in fact, it's, it's our obligation to do just that. You know, Jesus said in Matthew uh, 10, 22, you will be hated by all on account of my name. But it's the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. That's, a, that's another powerful statement there. And it's, a, it's a, an encouragement to persevere, to endure. Uh, you know, the Bible promises us that, that, he's, that God will give us the strength to do that if we rely on him. You know, what happens too often is we, we rely on self. You know, we, we do all we can. Uh, um, and, and too often we, we get so busy in, in, in good works that sometimes we forget that uh, those works will never be fruitful if we're not relying on God, if, he's not, if his spirit isn't leading us. Um, I'm getting off track here. Um, you know, in all these things, Jesus made them, he made several promises in this letter to the church at Philadelphia. He says first in verse 9, your enemy will come and kneel at your feet. You know, and, and this isn't to say that, that the church will, will rule over all these people there. Uh, you know, to kneel, to kneel is an act of submission. Uh, Christ is telling the church that even those of the synagogue of Satan, uh, those who came against them uh, supposedly in the name of Judaism, uh, that even those people are going to submit to the message and to the faithfulness of the, of the church at, at uh, Philadelphia. And what does that say to us? Uh, you know, when we're faithful to do what God calls us to do, uh, we can and, sh and should believe you know, that God will grow his kingdom uh, even in the hearts of those who stand vehemently against us or against him. And, and we're all going to be challenged uh, to do just that. You know, when we look around uh, the world we live in now, uh, there's coming a time. There's coming a time when your endurance is going to be tested. There's coming a time when your faithfulness is going to be tested. Um, certainly a time when your perseverance is going to be tested. But Jesus is promising that we'll, we can overcome all that. Uh, verse 10 says, He will keep us from the hour of testing. And, and, and this promise here extends far beyond the Philadelphia church uh, and to all the faithful 
churches throughout history. Uh, it's a promise to be, to be delivered from the tribulation. And as we, as we go through the book of Revelation, we're going to see a, some graphic uh, portrayals of this tribulation. But the promise here, at least the way um, I interpret it, and there's some controversy about uh, you know, whether, whether we're going to be raptured before the tribulation or during the tribulation or, or after. But I think the word of God is pretty clear that, that, that it, it's going to be before. You know, we believe in the, the pre-tribulation. And I'm sure at some point Pastor Jim will, will you know, break down all of that where you can better understand what other people believe. But for our purposes, we're, we're a pre-trib congregation. Um, you know, I want you to think about something there. We're, we're kind of winding this down. But uh, if God determined to write each of us a personal letter, like he wrote to these churches here, uh, would, would he be able to say the things to us uh, that he's saying to the church at Philadelphia here? You know, are, are we, are you and I, are we dependent on his power? Are, are, are we true to his word? Are we true to his name? And are we a, a persevering people? And again, you know, we, we can wave our hands and say amen uh, when things are going good, but what about when, when those attacks come? You know, if you can still say those things about yourself, then, um, then, then, then you're on the road to to being what the Bible calls an overcomer. Um, and finally, he, in verses 12 through 13, Jesus delivers some words of comfort. Um, he says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God and the new Jerusalem which comes comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, Christ concludes this letter <clears throat> by declaring three eternal promises. First, he says, I will make him a pillar of the temple, temple of God. You know, and what does a pillar represent? It represents stability. Uh, it represents permanence. And it represents immovability. You know, if you see a, a pillar on a building, you're not going to move it. Um, and, and, and that terminology there can, al can also represent honor. Uh, a pillar is sometimes a representative of honor. Uh, so we're promised... Uh, an eternal guarantee, a guaranteed place uh, in the temple of God as we overcome, uh, as we persevere, as we endure, uh, as we depend on Him, as we depend on His strength, His wisdom, His understanding, and not on our own. Um, 
the next promise is, I will write on him the name of God and the name of the city of God. And, and, and I think it, that passage is, is talking about, about ownership. Uh, that name will, will signify that we're owned by God, that we're uh, his bondservant, so to speak. Uh, and, and also that, we, that we're citizens of an eternal kingdom. You know, that's a promise. That can't be taken away from you. Um, thirdly, the third promise, I will give him my new name. Uh, and I think that simply means that we'll, we'll see the fullness of who he is. Uh, it'll be revealed to us uh, who Christ really is. We'll, we'll see him face to face. And, you know, as that old hymn says, what, what a glorious day that will be. Hmm. Again, though, as with, with all the other churches, we have to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. Um, and what's he, what's he saying to them and to us? Well, in conclusion, he's saying, I am holy, I am true, I am sovereign, I'm, all, I'm the all-powerful God who pours out his blessings on those who remain loyal to me. You know, what a promise that is. And, and that, that statement right there should, should motivate all Christians to follow the, the church at Philadelphia's example uh, so that, that we may have the same promises that they had. Um, so stay faithful. You know, what an example this is. The faithful church. Amen? Well, we're going to close right there.